Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. MMA is tough, but, you know, there's nothing like a wrestler. You know, I, I would trade, I told him, people ask me, fans, friends, people from all over the world, wait, how many, how many times state champ were you, this and that, and I just kind of shake my head and laugh. I'm like, man. I never made it downstate, and they're just blown away. They're like, wait, I see you wrestling. You take everyone down in the, in the octagon and this and that. You bait them up. I'm like, yeah, well, it took me a while to expect to win, and I didn't expect to win when I was a kid. I didn't start expecting to win until I got into late into college and turned in, you know, into mixed martial arts career, and I think I know that has definitely been you know, the uh, – the, the game changer that just having that championship mindset i don't care who if he, dude's got the bigger bigger muscles than me because most of them all do in the you know in the, in the cage and most all the guys are better strikers better wrestlers than me but i know i've already thought i've won the fight i already know i already locked it up all i gotta do out there is go out there and continue to have fun hey everyone this is clay guida and you're watching the tom Rowland podcast What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the podcast today. Today's a special day. We're sitting here at Hawks K, and I have my friend Clay the Carpenter Guida is going to join us here in just a minute. And uh, Clay Guida is a UFC veteran. He's fought tons of times in the UFC. He has incredible wins over legends, and he is one of my favorite fighters. I always go for the wrestler, and Clay is exactly that. We're going to talk wrestling. We're going to talk fighting. We're going to talk fishing because Clay's also a great fisherman. And uh, we had a great time just filming an episode of Saltwater Experience uh, that should be out uh, soon. So stand by for that, but also stand by with a great conversation with UFC veteran and um, just all around great guy, Clay the Carpenter Guida. 
Clay Guida. What's up, man? <laughs> How you doing, Captain? I'm doing great sitting here at Hawks K with you. We've been fishing. We've been hanging out. Good times, man. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. And You're a good uh, fisherman. I wouldn't go that far, but I'm lucky enough. I'm fortunate enough to learn from uh, some greats like you, from captains like you, uh, former charters, now turned um, TV spokesman for the sport of fishing. Yeah. And uh, I get to hang out. In places like this, yeah. so it's not, not too bad, man. It's all right. Well, I'm glad we made it work. We've been yeah. working on this for a while, um, and uh, the last time the weather was terrible, so thanks for postponing and doing it this time. But uh, yeah, man, it's obvious you you really like fishing. How did that happen? How do you what What's your journey to fishing? Um, I got to say, my passion for fishing started at a young age. I feel like just like most kids, you know, their dad or their uncle or someone teaches them how to fish, and uh, my old man. Chuck uh, taught me, my brother and sister, how to fish when we were little. Um, up in northern Illinois, just for, you know, your your channel cats, um, mm-hmm. uh, bluegill, bass, stuff like that. We put them in a bucket, take them home, and uh, I always got a kick out of how he would fillet them for us. <laughs> we lived right next to a... Uh, uh, right next to a forest so he would take the catfish because he didn't want to get stung by him or whatever they'd still be alive <laughs> it's a category guy so he would take them as we had trees all around uh-huh. us he would take them and put a nail right to their head up yeah. on the tree <laughs> he, would, he would cut the body off and start filleting them like that yeah um, skin them skin first them. That's exactly. what, that was the way that, that was, was a tennessee way to do it too you got it put a, put a nail on the on the the uh the tree and do it like that yep i think that's how he learned and uh i was always just blown away as a young boy like that i was like wow that's pretty awesome and uh <laughs> um so yeah then he would always just you know take us on you know our family on cool fishing trips and you know the canada one stood out the most where we literally i think we caught almost every fish in uh in lost lake and, and the uh, the resort that we were at we were on uh, five you know family of five on this tiny little john boat yeah. <laughs> with a little probably 15 or 20 horse and uh We'd have all our, you know, my mom would have the big cooler because, you know, make, you don't make food for us for the whole day. We'd have lunch on the lake. Everything we caught, we would eat. We'd have sandwiches. We'd run on a lemonade in the bucket or in the, uh, the jug. So we would scoop the water was so clean up in Canada where we're at. We would just scoop it right out of the water because you could literally see what I thought were logs under the water. Pike. They were pike and and, uh, muskies, man. They They were just enormous. Um, so yeah, just, you know, trips like that. So many fun things happen, um, you know, on that trip. I was, t- I tell buddies, it was almost like the, the Guida Griswold summer vacation <laughs> up in Canada. Uh, we had so many fun things Not I wouldn't say went wrong, just, uh, kind of fishing bloopers. You know, my brother fell off the boat at one time. I fell off the boat. He fell off the, uh, the pier. He was like kind of carrying the, um, like the little, uh, the stringer, you know, yeah, next yeah. to the pier, yeah. and then he fell in, and there was a kind of like a, a wives' tale like going on that we kept hearing, th- you know, during the week at the, um, you know, in the fish house or whatever, people were cleaning their fish, um, that there was just a giant northern. Don't 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 put your don't dangle your toes in the you know right by the dock Bite right you. there because there's a yeah there's a, like a five foot northern pike and stuff like that. Um, so uh, just you know that was just kind of where I got you know just saw the cool adventures that you know, fishing has to offer. I had a trip like that, um, similar uh, when I was a senior in high school. My dad took me on a northern pike trip to Reindeer Lake, in northern Saskatchewan. Great trip, we had an amazing time. But then after that, I kind of didn't fish for a while and uh, got away from it, and then kind of got back to it. Did you do that same kind of deal? Very, very similar. Yep. I grew up, uh, you know, fishing till I would say probably, and I, you know, this is when I was playing three sports as well. And I was really starting to take wrestling very seriously. And, um, I'd say I'd probably fish till like 
early in high school, and then I got away from it just because I was so, you know, so into uh, into sports. And then um, when I was out uh, on a vacation, I think after I fought Roger Huerta, me and uh, my my former manager, his brother, we all went out to um, Puerto Vallarta. And uh, my buddy Dominic, he's like, hey, you want to go do some fishing? And he was kind of questioning me. He's like, you like the fishing? I'm like, yeah, it's been a while. He's like... You ever been in the saltwater fit? You know, you ever go for saltwater fishing, whatever? I'm like, uh, at the time, I don't know if I really had, you know? And um, I'm like, cool, what are we going? Are we going offshore? I told him sometimes I get, uh, you know, I get seasick. Yeah. He's like, no, we're going to these, you know, we're going inshore for these things called snook. He's like, you ever catch a bass? I'm like, I love bass, dude. He's like, they're, they're pretty similar to bass fishing. I'm like, let's do it, man. I'm in. And uh, we went out with this, you know, this Hispanic guide guy was super cool and he knew where these things were and he took us out to the mouth of this canal. We were just, uh, you know, we we caught a few snook, and I was just amazed at how cool these things were, how strong they were, even when we caught little, you know, little tiny ones. And then he took us out to the mouth, and then we saw this big old school of jacks. And the guy's, hey, he's like, gringo, take that cat thread over there. And I was like, you sure? And I, boom, threw this top water in there, and these, you know how those jacks are. Yeah. They just come unglued man that's awesome and we were just picking them off out there um we accidentally caught a bird you know i was like yeah. this is it that, once again this the adventure started you know we, i'm like wait are we supposed to be doing it? i'm like filming it <laughs> you know i'm like the poor bird and the guy's taking he's getting the hook out of its you know his talent or yeah. whatever so i had a guy that worked for me and and uh he was always like what's wrong with catching a bird like we go out there we catch three tarpon a permit a bonefish we catch three sharks and all and one bird and all they talk about when they get back is they, they, they caught, caught a bird, bird. <laughs> He's like, people love catching birds. It's not, it's unexpected, you know? I mean, you don't ever want to really do it, but, but people talk about catching birds all the time. People talk about catching whatever, like you can catch all these great fish and then they catch a, you know, whatever, something they've never seen before. And that's all they talk about. That's the whole story, right? That's the whole drip. Like you won't believe it. We caught a puffer fish. What about those seven tarpon you caught? Exactly. Oh oh, yeah. The life changing tarpon. Yeah. Silver Kings (laughs) that come out and, you know, flip in front of your eyes, you know? But yeah. So it was kind of one of those things in that, that's what got me fired up again about, uh, you know, about fishing. I was like, man, and I was, went back and started bass fishing again. And I mm-hmm. was just, I was hooked on it. And then um, it was just kind of one of those things, you know, in, during my travels, you know, with, with MMA and all the cool things I got to do with wrestling and traveling. I was like, maybe I'll hit up this guy and, you know, email this guy. Maybe I can, maybe I can get on the water or something. Cause I don't right. know, you know, when you're traveling like that, you're not bringing your gear with you, but maybe you can go learn from some guy that, you know, the, Wants to take you on the water. So right. Just, and so you're kind of setting yourself up for maybe a life after fighting, maybe with this, with the skills and thrills. That's exactly the plan. Yeah. Yep. So I teamed up with, uh, who's a f- former opponent and former teammate of mine, Chad Money Mendez. He started, uh, uh, his fins and feathers celebrity guide service where he takes, um, fans and clients out hunting all over the country, all over the world. And if, um, either with him or other fighters, so, you know, your eye favor has been on, uh, on many of them, Dan Henderson, Brad Miller, in the NBA, um, TJ Dillashaw. I mean, he's had me go on a couple of hog hunts nice. when he wasn't able to make it. So um, it was just kind of, I guess you could say, kind of piggybacked off of him or he's been just kind of teaching me things. So I teamed up with him and we started the the fins and feathers. I'm sorry, the gills and thrills division, you know, fishing division right. of fins and feathers. And uh, so far it seems to be going pretty well. And the concept with that was take him fishing, you know, on a Friday or Saturday and then kind of partner that up with or pair that up with um other things I love to do, going to professional sporting events. I love baseball. Take the clients to, you know, an event. We took them to a Cubbies game. Um, you know, take them to a live concert. We got the our first inaugural Kills and Thrills trip was, uh, I'm not sure if you're in a country. I'm really not, but there's this band called Zach Brown Band. I yeah, guess yeah. it's pretty, pretty he popular. Likes to fish. Big time. He's a huge outdoorsman. Yeah. 
So um, they did a special private meet and greet with 12 of our clients. I mean, we got to go backstage, hang out by the, uh, the RV with them, nice. their, their, their tour bus, um, you know, have beers, you know, they introduced them to the entire band, got to hang out with them, take photos. They got to talk to them for a little while. And this was, and then they gave us, you know, like VIP passes that, you know, uh, tickets to the, to the oh, event, to cool. the, to the concert. So things like that, we try to pair it up, you know, we're friends with them. You know, security from uh, from Metallica. We're buddies. Got to meet the band before, so nice. uh, so that's kind of the the concept of it. And then you obviously know, take them to UFC events too. I had that's Adrian it. Smith on the podcast. He's uh, the guitarist for um, Iron Maiden. He's a huge <laughs> fisherman. Did you know that? I didn't know. I that. didn't know this either. Yeah. But he wrote a book, and I I got wind of this book, and then his it it just so happened that his agent was like reaching out said, would you be interested in having Adrian Smith on the podcast? And I was like, well, hell yeah! yeah. And so it turns out like when Iron Maiden was touring. Just like you, like, okay, I'm going to go to this city. I wonder if there's any fishing there. That's what he would do. Except all, like, in, in a lot of cases, all his friends would go party, and he would go to whatever dirty-ass river was next door and start fishing, and he'd fish for carp, and he's an Englishman. That's so, like, yeah. carp is yeah. huge over there. So he'd Monsters. come to these places over here where nobody wants to fish, and he was – like having a great time. There's there's huge carp in here and he's good at catching them, but he was interesting. Uh, but the same kind of deal, like he just used his travel and used his, his, uh, you know, all these places that he's going and he, he does all kinds of fishing. I mean, he's a really good fisherman and loves it, but you know, fishing is like that for, for a lot of people that, that have a different life. Like your, your, your life, your training life, your, your profession. It's tough, man. It's a violent, tough, disciplined thing. And then you have fishing and I've, I've noticed a lot of people like when I was guiding all the time, there would be this guy and he would obviously be athletic, obviously be way into fishing and just love it. And he would become a really good client. And then somewhere along the line, I'd be like, Hey, what'd you, what's your background in athletics? Almost always they had a background in wrestling. These guys that were really good at it and that were really like obsessed with fishing. And I've always kind of wondered like why? And I kind of think that, you know, wrestling is a physical chess game. That's the way my, my wrestling coach always explained it. It's like, this is just a physical chess game. You got to be thinking moves ahead and fishing is a lot the same way. And I didn't really get like super into fishing until I saw what sight fishing was where I could see the fish and then I could see where I needed to cast it and I could see the reaction of the fish. And then that's a little more like wrestling. Like, as opposed to like blind wrestling or whatever, like this one was, this was, once I saw that it was over for me. That's making you make a good point, captain. It's funny you mentioned that because I've, I've been asking myself that for years now and I've, you know, wrestling and fishing, wrestling and fighting is my passion and, and fishing. So I've been like, why am I so hooked on this? You know what I mean? Obviously, right. but, and I, I thought about it. I was like, well, to me, I, I think there's so many similarities between fishing catching a fish fighting and wrestling because it's, it's a very individual sport. Mm. All three yep. of them. Yep. I mean, think about it besides if you're with a captain or a guide like yourself, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Who, who might help you take you to the fish, but some, most of the time you got to cast it. Right. You got to, you know, put the bait on by yourself. If you're a man and you want to learn how to be a good <laughs> fisherman, uh, nothing against anyone, other guys out there that don't bait their own hook or whatever. But, uh, I believe it's the, the build up to it, the preparation, finding the fish and just the entire process, you know, mm-hmm. of it. And then you're the only one fighting that fish. You know what I mean? So it's like you're, you've, you're, you've been preparing, you've been thinking about it. Cause, and one thing I know too, the other night, cause I know before we film, 
I had a hard time sleeping, and the only time, and I could sleep through anything, man. You know what I mean? But if, I used to always have a hard time sleeping before wrestling tournaments. Yeah. And when I know I'm going fishing the next day, because it's an excitement. I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to be? What, in this situation, I'm going to listen to Captain, you know what I mean? What I got to do here when he tells me to do this. So I'm always, always kind of, um, you know, thinking, you know, just preparing myself and, yeah. and being ready for any situation. So that's the closest I can think to why, I mean, why I have such a passion for it because well, it reminds me of, of wrestling. I'll tell, and you, I'll tell you what I think is going to happen is I think you're going to learn a little bit more about a couple of different types of fishing and you're going to really get obsessed with it because here's what happens when, when I found fly fishing, for example, I was horrible at it, right? Terrible. I mean, it's cracking like a bull whip. It's not supposed to do that by the way. Okay. If, when you start and, it, and it's cracking like a bull whip, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Um, it, it, and, and so it's cracking like a bull whip and I'm trying to get it out there and I don't see any way that I can catch a fish. And so finally I start to figure out the cast and then I start getting better at it. And then I start enjoying the practicing of the casting. And then I start getting better and better and better and better at it. So now that when I see a fish, I know I can make that cast. And then I start learning from people like Lefty Cray or other people that just like wrestling techniques and written in and different takedowns. And it's like, look, you get, you get with a really good wrestler and, and you're holding his wrist like this. And he's like, no, hold it like this. And it makes all the difference in the world. Right. And then, so it, yeah, just little Small details. Yep. And it's like, look, because when you do this, you can get your head under or you can do whatever. And so you start practicing and you start practicing other techniques and you learn how you can make it curve and you can learn how you can make it do all this other stuff. And then, then you get as excited about the practicing as you do about the actual, the actual physical fishing. part of it. Yep. And same with a spinning rod. Like when you get really good with a spinning rod, you start practicing and practicing and practicing. And then with a spinning rod, like, and fishing for these fish that we have here, like bonefish, permit, tarpon, if you throw it in there with bait the right way, if you do it right, you should get the bite. Like, and what we were doing with the mullet and stuff like that, there's a lot left up to chance, but there's a lot of types of fishing that we do where we stalk, we stalk the fish. We see the fish before we cast it, you cast it in there. And if you do it right, you should get bit. Now, when you're fly fishing, you can do it right and still not get bit. That's the thing, you know, but that's when it became a complete obsession for me is that the more practice time I put in, the more uh, um, preparation I put in, it all paid off. You know, at the moment, you know, and you're not also not getting kicked in the face. <laughs> like when you don't do it right, yep. you don't get kicked in the face. <laughs> and you tend to, it's like, oh, wow, right. I made a mistake yeah. and nothing really happened except I'm disappointed and the guy's yelling at me. Exactly. I can, that's an easy day. <laughs> you might get <laughs> snagged, you might lose your bait, you might break a hook, but yeah, you're not getting kicked or punched in the head or something. So, yeah, there's definitely, a, a, like I said, a lot of similarities, um, you know. And that's just what, you know, that's what we're passionate about. Just the challenge, you know what I mean? The thrill of the hunt, the yeah. whole process, the <laughs> being, oh, and another thing too, um, is, you know, trying to find fish when you can't see it. Sight fishing is awesome. I mean, I think it's great because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, here we go. We got them. Now we got to catch them. But without the electronics, when I fish in my kayak, um, it's kind of just going out there and all right, I gotta, I'm going to start over here and right. I got the little pedals on it. You know, my Hobie cat, I'm going to go pedal to find him. All right, nothing there. I'm going to go halfway across the lake. So I also think that's part of the challenge as well is when in hunting, a lot of times you can see what you're going to, most of the times you're going to see what you shoot eventually, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But a lot of times in fishing, majority of the time, you're not going to be able to see the fish under the water, depending on the clarity, the depth, where you're at, you know what I mean? So I think that just adds to it. Yeah. Until you move down here. 
And then you can, then you can, you, you can right. actually be one of the people that says, if I can't see them, I'm not even going to fish for them. I mean, that, and there are people that do that. I mean, that's what they want to do. That's just what, that's what they're interested in. That's what they're excited about. And, you know, if, if you're going to do that, that's fine. But there, you got to realize, okay, well, there's going to be a lot of days where I don't see anything. And that, and some people are fine with that. Like, that's fine. Like, cool. Yep. Hard, hard to believe for you guys watching at home. Captain said this is. Not, he's seen clear water than this out here. So oh, yeah. to me, That's, this is like, well, we had that blow right before you got here and, and this back basin is still, it's, it's murky. murky. Like, yeah, it's certainly murky. Now it's a beautiful color, yep. but it's, um, well, it's, it's definitely murky yep. and, and it can be super clear. Like in August, this will be clear as a bell. You'll be able to see right to the bottom in the middle of the thing. Crazy. Yeah. That's fun a, too. We got to get you back down here when, when it's lobster season. Lobster. I still never dove before. Some of my buddies back home, Bo Johnson, some of these guys, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah. you ever, you ever dive? You ever got like, yeah, I snorkeled in Hawaii for a couple hours. That yeah. was awesome. And they're like, you got to come down and catch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> grab a, yeah, grab a, a couple lobster. of lobster. Lobsters sure. are fun too, because you don't really have to go. I mean, you can, there's people that are really experienced and they can go really deep, but you don't have to, you can catch lobsters in three feet of water Yep. and, um, and it's fun for everybody. You know, you can just, I get my whole family out here. Everybody's catching them. Um, and you just basically just basic breath holding. It's not, if you can stay down for a minute, you can catch a lot of lobsters. And that's what a lot of people tell me too, that it's a, it's like a family event too. Yeah. They bring their kids. My buddy was telling me, he's like, yeah, my Son was just, you know, three years old, four years old or whatever. And he was, you know, caught his first lobster. Yeah. To me, that's what it's all about. And I feel like the Keys is, it's a very family oriented. Uh, Can be. Type place. Yeah. There's other parts of the Keys that are not family oriented. I've, I've heard that all. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I raised a family in Key West and, and uh, we had to be careful about where, where we went, where we spent our time. But um, yeah, it can be, it can be awesome. You know, as long as you're on the water. I mean, that boat, that dock, that, this, you know, these, this type of environment is amazing for kids. Cause you can sit, my kids, they just sat out on the dock behind my house and just fished and fished and fished and fished. Yeah, folks. So we're over at Hawks K. I'm sure you guys have seen it. I've been watching, um, excuse me, uh, Captain Tom Rowland and his partner, uh, Rich Tudor, Rich Tudor, that's mm -hmm. pronounced. Yep. Been watching these guys fish for a long time. And, um, we're actually at, uh, Hawks K Resort to me is a world renowned uh, resort, 61 acres. I believe it's yeah. probably the biggest resort. I mean, biggest, biggest one I've heard of and probably the biggest one, um, you know, in the Keys. And um, I was in there this morning, just kind of walking around the lobby. I went out by the pool before I went on my run and it's just, uh, there's families everywhere. I mean, yeah. it's just a really, really cool place. I mean, these people wait on your hand and foot. They were helping me, with, you know, with my bags, putting them in the golf cart, taking them to the RV, people hmm. offering you waters. I mean, it's just like, everyone's family and uh the pool is amazing the, the the tiki bar is out there the infinity pools you know it's like there's beaches out there and kids can pick up walk out of the beach and probably grab a fishing rod and go catch a little snapper right yeah there. you yeah. definitely can there's uh they've didn't been doing this other thing that that would be great little um to to put that together with one of your weekends and they do these country concerts down here and they've had a lot of a lot of people down here and so they have um some country stars and songwriters come down and they'll do a free concert here on property and they've done two or three of them already and they're going to do a bunch more because it's been so successful but that you should you should i want to get you hooked up with sheldon and then you bring back you know one of your groups on a weekend like that and then you got that going on you go fishing with some guys out of the marina and uh that would be a great weekend that Plus sounds like an awesome gills and thrills trip to me right so Fishing also for you has almost been like uh, 
it's 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 moved you geographically, right? Yep. Like now you're down in Tampa. Where where would you say where just, do you live? Just a little bit south of there. So our family was born and raised in uh, Northern Illinois, north of Chicago, and um, my parents uh, we got them a house down here. I think in 2014, down in um, Cape Coral, Fort Myers area. Yeah, that's so, nice. Yeah, the golf side. It's beautiful. It's perfect for them. It's uh, are they on the water? They are a block from a freshwater canal, okay. and then I just moved down here in August, and I bought a place on a saltwater canal, and uh, just bought another place on a freshwater canal because I was born and raised freshwater fisherman. I love bass fishing, so now I can just go out in my backyard, catch bass, catch a peacock. We got nice. those out there too, man. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's super nice, laid back, and I'm I'm hooked on Florida. There's so much to do. I can you know run every day right by, down by the beach. We got a pool in the back. Um, I can fish every day if I want to. Um, there's, you know, water parks where my daughter, my, you know, uh, nieces and nephews come down. My buddy's kids that are at that age. There's a water park literally a mile away from the new place. There's just, uh, there's a you lot to a do. Lot to do. Um, so as far as your fighting though, you're, you've, uh, you just recently signed a new contract. You told me you got a four fight contract mm-hmm. and one fight's already been, yeah, you've already fought one. Start off the contract on a, on a good foot, man. A good note. Nice. So, yep. Got our hand raised, fought, uh, Michael Johnson, who's fought just about everybody, um, you name it. I think he, he's beaten Tony Ferguson. He's fought Dustin Poirier. He's fought Khabib, the former champ. Or um, yeah, you name it. He's fought him. So uh, well, so have you though. Like your your resume is it's ridiculous, dude. I mean, you are. I, and I've been. I mean, I'm. I gotta admit, like you come out and you were like, man, I've been watching you guys on TV for a long time. I was like, shit, man, I've been watching you on TV for a long time. And I really have. I've been watching your whole UFC career. But you've gone up against. I mean, dude, the people that you fought both won and lost. You've been in there with the, the legends, man. Like you are a legend. Thank you. Kevin. And I appreciate it's, it. No, it's just, it's unbelievable. And, and the thing about your fights that I've always enjoyed is that, and, and rich, rich is not a UFC fan. And he was like, so who's coming? Yeah. I'm like, it's Clay Guida, man. You're not going to believe this he's guy. Like, What's and that? he's like, well, I don't know anything about it. I'm like, okay, this is all you need to know about Clay Guida. He's fought like over 50 times. And no one that has fought him has enjoyed it. <laughs> like win or lose, you're not going to enjoy a fight with Clay Guida. That's what I think about your fighting. It's like, dude, if if somebody's going to beat you, they're going to have to pay for it. That that is just, I don't know. Like all of them, all of them that I've watched, it it hurts to have to beat you. Like is that yeah. is that part of your mentality, or does that just kind of happen, or? Are you just a warrior? Does that is that wrestling? What is that? Well, yeah, I would say what I think it always comes down to is for, mo- for those people who have I, I've trained with, I've competed against, um, people have seen my fights. Um, definitely the not the most talented as far as you know athleticism out there compared to who I'm fighting, and um, but it always to me it always comes back to wrestling. You know, what I mean, when I was a ninety pound weakling. Um, wasn't a great wrestler, but I was always in better shape than everyone. And I knew that if I could carry this over into MMA, if I could, if I could tire these guys out, if I, could, if I could tire this kickboxer or this uh, this jujitsu guy out or this wrestler, then I, there's a chance I'm going to get my hand raised. Mm. You know, because like, you know how it is when you break a man in wrestling, oh, you yeah. get him tired. It's a, just a matter of time. They only got well, a little that's bit what, of time. Uh, what, uh, what's the quote? Fatigue makes coward of, cowards of, of us, us all. all. You got it. And uh, so, so when you. 
when you're wrestling and you're just in better shape than everyone, what do you attribute that to now? Now that you know more about training, now that you know, like, what was it that you were doing? Was it that you were a little brother? Was it that you liked to do some other sport or something that was contributing to this, this shape that you're in? Or what do you, what do you attribute to now? Because a lot of times, you know, when you're training for something, you don't realize that something else that you're doing just for fun or whatever is making you really good at something like for, for me, life. I would, re- I would swim all summer long. Right. And I was just doing on the swim team because my parents told me I had to, and, but I kind of like swimming, but then I would get back into the wrestling room and it's like, wow, you're really strong or you're real. You can really go for a long time. And it took me years to realize, Oh, well, you know, it was probably all that swimming. You don't even put it together at the time, but have you, have you thought about that? Like, your conditioning and, so, and you're known for that. I think at a young age, I don't, it's not that I, um, you know, trained a whole lot harder than that was maybe, that was probably why I never made it downstate, you know, in high school, my entire high school career. Um, and, it, you know, it didn't have the success that I wanted because I wasn't really getting the extra workouts. Cause you know, you've, you know, you, you grew up with some of those guys you wrestled in high school that, mm-hmm. that one practice in high school wasn't, you know, during the season was enough. They would go home and they would either go to another club and they would right. go somewhere or they go yes. hit the treadmill or they go to the weight room. So I wasn't doing that as often as some of the guys I found more success. So I think the success that I didn't have in uh, at a young age, there was still some rocks left unturned, some stones left unturned, some things that was burning inside me, man. I got to, I want to win. I want to be the best. Let's try out this fighting thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, so I, there was things I knew I had to do different. I knew I had to just outwork these guys. It was simple with my running, with my kettlebells, with when I, you know being in the gym, staying late, getting there early, doing the extra practices on my own, doing the road work. You know those things that we I think learned at a different at a late you know later age. You know mm-hmm. I was a, a you know slow learner, late developer. You know I same thing. Um, did per, did all right in junior college. I was you know the starter on a, a national championship wrestling team and. The week before, <laughs> week before nationals, I got beat by the, you know, in the wrestle off, you know, I was the start of the whole time and it was just that, mm. that one, that was rough, man. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make it to nationals because we were on the, the number one team in the country and um, I had already beaten a bunch of the guys that were in my conference. If you place top five in your conference or three or whatever, you went and I already beaten these guys. I'm like, cool. I'm going to nationals. I'm going to place, I'm going to medal, whatever it is. And then, uh, a kid from Florida. I appreciate it. He got, uh, he got drafted. I'm sorry, not drafted. Um, recruited from uh, South Dade, you know, uh, very successful high school in, uh, in Miami, mm-hmm. Dade County. Three of those guys came up and they were on the team and, um, coaches, you know, he asked if he wanted to wrestle off and he beat me in the wrestle off like a week before in the whole season. I was just like, what, <laughs> what happened? Like, I don't know if I let off the gate. I don't know if I overlooked him, you know, it was just one of those things. And then, uh, Kind of crazy. He turned out he couldn't make weight, and then so he didn't even end up wrestling. And they brought a one forty one pounder up to fill the spot, and that's when I kind of just well, I really had a, just a hard time, and I I wasn't ready to give up ac- athletics. I wasn't ready to stop competing yet, and um, so I think it was a combination of those things that I hadn't found the success in wrestling, and uh, that's. What I, you know, uh, contribute, you know, my success in MMA now too is those things that I just didn't do at a young age, and I'm not going to make that 
that so I wouldn't say regret or whatever. I'm not. Uh, well, it's in my it, kind it, of control. It can be regret, but it can also be your biggest gift, you know. And you can still, even today, you can tell you've got a hard time like swallowing that. Like it's a hard time coming to terms with that. But probably that's the fuel that has has taken you much much further. I mean, what if you had won that match and you 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 go in, you win three matches in the thing, but you don't win the nationals, and uh, you know maybe your athletic career's over right, right there. Exactly. You know? And I kind of, I look at it like that too. Like that was maybe the catalyst, you know, the, the, the wanting, the need to, you know, fill that, that void, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, it was rough because um, my best buddy, Jared, um, who I've spoke with you when we were out fishing yesterday, we you know, we started a wrestling club, Spartan wrestling club back oh, yeah. home. And, um, you know, teammate of mine forever taught me a lot about wrestling, a lot about life. And um, we were on the same team, junior college. And we, <laughs> we had a similar incident too. Um, there was this kid, Nick Hall, who was a, just a badass. He wrestled at uh, Neosho County, which is a junior college um, in, um, in Kansas. And he was already an All-American. He transferred over to Harper College. And then he, a week, of nat- week before nationals, he asked him, you know, coach asked him, hey, you want to wrestle off? And this dude was a stud. And he just didn't have a very good, he had a, didn't have a good style for Jared, for how mm. Jared's style was. And he put a, a thumping on my buddy too, man. So, so that happened to both of you. And my brother, my brother was on the same team too. He was, but, he but was I think it's bro. pretty interesting that it happened yeah. to both of you and you now start this wrestling, uh, um, wrestling academy club. or wrestling club. Yep. So is that, do you guys think about those two lessons and how they affected both of your lives? And then do you try to pass that on to the kids? Absolutely. So what's the lesson there? Don't, I mean, don't ever stop. Don't give up, you know, keep believing in yourself and realize that there, if it doesn't happen right now, there's still some way down the road. If you have to keep the, you know, the, the championship mindset that you're going to be able to turn things around or whatever, you know, uh, whatever it may be. And you can do things, you know, you can still be successful later because it, it was, it was pretty wild. So he got, he lost in the wrestle off and then he got called excuse me, because uh, the guy that beat him got, he got sick, he got shingles, so he couldn't wrestle. So then coach called him, or coach Dan Labrino called him. He's like, yo, dude, sick. Uh, Wayne's or Friday or whatever, Thursday. He's like, how much you weigh? My buddy was, he was 27 or, yeah, over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, he got the weight off. You know what? He did it. And I felt bad because coach called me and I just, I didn't even try it. I was like almost 20 pounds over. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm over it. And I didn't try it. Didn't give it a shot. My buddy Jared did. He all American. He helped win the national championship for us. He won. Uh, I think he wrestled six or seven times. He won four out of the seven matches and helped us win the national championship, man. And just all of that. And there was one, uh, the first night, this is kind of wild. The first match he wrestled, he ended up losing to, um, the guy that went on to win the tournament and it was a close match. And then he ended up, um, so he had, then Jared had to wrestle all the way back for the sixth place match, but you have to weigh in the second day as well. So he won, you know, he wrestled four matches the first night mm-hmm. and then after, after match, he was 10 pounds over. So him and I we went to the hotel and we started, we got on the treadmill and after that we still had more, he had the plastics on and we started running up the stairwells, man. We were doing, there was 10, 10 floors on this hotel and we ran them up and down like 10 or 20 times. We were dragging each other up the stairwell and we just knew he, we needed him on that mat. We knew he had to weigh in the next day because we wanted to get that championship. And I think we were only in first place by like five points. And we had um, Gloucester or um, Lassen or one of these other top you know, junior colleges like right on our tail. And uh, 
he really, really did help us win that national championship. And so we have a lot of things between, you know, him and I that we always, uh, we talk about that, that helped us be growing to men later. And those yeah. were some of the, the rough experiences early at a young age, you know? You know, that's one of the things that I like the most about wrestling is that, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of people that are really good at wrestling, but there's, there's one state champion in each weight class. You don't have to be that state champion. You don't have to take it to that level to learn the lessons that wrestling can teach people. And, you know, I mean, I think that it was important for me. Like my kids are like, you're making me wrestle. My wife said, you're making the kids wrestle. I said, yeah, I'm going to make the kids wrestle. Like they're going to wrestle. And at the time they both ended up liking it. My, my younger son, who was the best one of us all, he had a more of a love hate relationship with wrestling. Like he was feeling a lot of pressure from it, but then finally he embraced it because he was more of a natural and every coach that would see him wrestle was like, Oh hell yeah. Yeah. You're going to be awesome. Yep. And every time that somebody would tell him that it would, it would go the other way. Like he would, he would, he would get nervous. Like there was a lot of pressure on him where my older son, you know, they were like, yeah, yeah, you, you might be okay. And he developed a work ethic from wrestling. That's what he developed. My younger son developed toughness from wrestling. He, he developed, he developed a mindset from wrestling. He developed a, an ability to overcome anything in his life. He had developed, he developed, uh, uh, a hardness and he developed, a um, a way to deal with pressures in his life. And, you know, I mean, he was like a third place finisher. My other son was a fourth place finisher. And, um, and that's great, but that's not a super high level of wrestling, but you don't have to go to a super high level of wrestling to get the lessons that, that wrestling is there to teach. And that's what I wanted for, for my boys. I was like, look, I just want them to wrestle long enough to where they learn some lessons that, that you learn on the mat and you learn in the room. And they did. And then they took it a little further and that's awesome. And then they decided not to take it any further than that. And that's fine, whatever. But it's just a, it's just such a great sport and it's just such an amazing thing for, for, for kids to do and now girls and boys you know there's a lot of lessons out there on the, that you learn on that mat you make a great point cap and uh the life skills that he get that builds help you build are they're invaluable i mean right. they, they are priceless and what what do you think are those life skills like when you look at your little your 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 kids program and you look at things like in hindsight, a lot of times you find, oh, those were the lessons that it really taught me. Or you see the lessons that it's instilling in, in people that, you know, maybe at the time you don't even realize that that's happening. But what do you, what do you think, in your opinion, as a, as a wrestler and a wrestling coach, you still have another, um, maybe a wrestling parent. I don't know, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm both, I'm all three. I'm a wrestler. I was a wrestling coach and I was a wrestling parent. And I can tell you that by far the wrestling parent is the most difficult. Definitely for me. Because there's no control. You have no control over anything. As a wrestling as a wrestling coach, you're there on the mat with them. You're talking to the kid. You're right. doing whatever. As a wrestler yourself, you're in control. You're in control. Yep. But then as a wrestling parent, you're like, if you're a good one, you're back in the stands not saying a word. Yep. If you're a bad one, you're screaming your head off. Uh, I wish some of those parents back home would be watching this right now. <laughs> they, they are. Well, They're like, yeah, I don't like those people. Yeah. The people that yell all the time and the wife's going, yeah, it's you. Yeah. They're talking about you. No, they're not. They're talking about oh, you. Boy. <laughs> Sometimes it's the moms that are the yeah, worst. Yeah. And that doesn't just go for wrestling, folks. That goes for all sports. Sometimes, hey, you bring your children to a coach, to a club, to a team to let them 
learn to let the coach take over. So maybe you should let him do that sometime. A lot of times that's the way. Yeah. But so many people like they, they, they just, they want to live vicariously through their, their child and they want their child to, to, um, not make the same mistakes that they did. But the funny thing is, is like just what we're talking about, those mistakes are what define you as a person. And if you learn about from those mistakes and you never make them again, then they define the rest of your life. And it's like about the journey, you know, uh, and, and, and it's hard to watch, but it's a lot easier to m- watch a kid make a mistake on a wrestling mat and get pinned than it is to watch them make a mistake and have a horrible car accident or something way more serious. Correct. It's like a something, safe place to make avoided, a, avoided. to yep. make a, to make a mistake. Right. But it still hurts. Like getting pinned is no fun. Getting your face ripped off is no fun, but it's a lot more fun than some other things that could happen. Correct, man. Yeah. And uh, like you, you like you asked, uh, I think two things that, speaking for myself, wrestling has given me direction and it's, you know, it's helped me build confidence to do anything in life, in business, in family, in relationships, you know, wherever it may be. And I feel like I, being a wrestling coach and we have a youth club from five years old up to like high school kids, mm. you know, 18 year olds and we had little, you know, little five-year-olds or five-year-olds, man. They're fun. They're wiry. You know I mean? They're wild. They want to go run around and play, you know? But then, then you see the ones that, that get it. You get, you see the wrestlers that they're either good athletes or they, they have the flow. They know what they're doing or maybe they don't know what they're doing, but they, they listen and they, they can double eight these guys. They're, you know, they're just, a, they're natural talents. And then you see the ones that were kind of like me and they have to, they have to do this a thousand times to get it right twice or something like that. Um, but then you see the ones, you know, that, that stick with it. And they at first they're like kind of timid, you know, just like in any sport, you know, kids are timid to be around other kids that they don't know in a wrestling room. That can be very, very, um, a very demoralizing room or definitely going out on the mat and competing with wild parents that are screaming, but you know, just their bananas in the stands. They're just over the top, you know, but it's cool to see the progression. It's cool to see the kids that were with the little shaky, timid one that would cry to his parents and the, on the side of the mat, you know, maybe a practice or he would run to him, you know, at practice. And then he would definitely do it if the match wouldn't go his way, um, you know, at the gymnasium. And But it's cool to see them come back out for the team and start to grow confident and see him turn into this, a, a tough Sometimes little Sometimes it's one thing, one win or one move even. And it's like, oh, you can do that. They, they got it. Yeah, and they got it. Yep. I remember I was like, um, um, I guess it was when I was in, fourth grade going into fourth grade and um up until that time i was not a good wrestler at all i got beat almost every time right like just all the time and uh and my dad i remember we were working in the yard and he just asked me he said you know what do you think about wrestling this year so i I don't know not excited about it at all he said well you know you don't have to lose and i was like what? He goes, yeah, you could just go out there and win. I was like, huh? Okay. And, and then later, you know, we started practice and everything. And I learned this one move, a double cross face where, where you, you grab the here and then you go under and you got two arms on the cross face and then you just start circling around. And I mean, it's a definitely a grammar school elementary move, but dude, you can make some lunch money on that thing. And, <laughs> and I had that one move. That was it. I had that one move and that was the year that, that one move. And then my dad just giving me that a little bit of encouragement of like, 
it's not that those other kids are better than you. They're just, they're just going after it harder. Like all you got to do is go after it. You can win. And it changed everything. And it's just that little, it, sometimes it's just one little thing, one little thing. And it's so cool when you see that happen for somebody, anybody, a kid, especially if they were lacking confidence before. And now they may still be lacking confidence kind of, except when they step on that mat and they become a freaking tiger. And it's amazing to watch, don't you think? Absolutely, man. I got the, that's a great story and uh, kind of similar, similar since, hold on one sec. Excuse me. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, I was very, very similar upbringing or very similar, I would say, uh, kind of uh, how, yeah, my my career went too at a young age. You know, I was the, not even the 90 pound weakling. I started wrestling, you know, remember they used to write the marker? Yeah. <laughs> I think I wrestled my first match, I was 50 pounds and I was a 62 pound weakling, then the 72 pound weakling, you know, and, uh, you know, just got my butt kicked all the time. I had fun doing it because I got to be around my buddies. I got to get out there and compete, but. It was always when I was still a youth wrestler in junior high and stuff, I would see the kid with the, you know, the bigger bicep. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> My arms are like they and are the, now. And the, little, and the little tiny mustache. mustache grow, the little, yeah, the little, yeah, little yeah, baby mustache. Yeah, and you're like, damn, that's a man. Oh, boy, he's going to be good. <laughs> or he'd have the cool singlet. You know, mine was the, mine was the plain red with the white trim on it or something. He had the cool design singlet or he had the nice new uh, Adidas um you know, pins or, you know, he'd have the cool <laughs> right. stuff. Yeah, like, something. And exactly. It's like, I was almost looking for something or get kind of giving myself an excuse already before I stepped on the mat to not necessarily win, but almost get, you know, give myself what it's like. I, I, I kind of, you know, psyched myself out. I freaked myself out already, you know? And, uh, you know, I tell the story all the time. I was fortunate enough to, um, I got, uh, asked by, uh, one of my former, um, uh, business partners, uh, excuse me, uh, Dustin Myers. He's the our uh, regional training center coach for the Ohio state Buckeyes and Max mm. for muscle. Great guy. Oh, I follow him on, on, uh, yep. on Instagram coach for a Gut, long time. Yeah, coach gut check. He's yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, he always yep. doing awesome workouts. I yep. thought, yeah, I've thought about having him on yep. the podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll set it up, man. Yeah, man. He, he would do a great job, man. Him or him or Corey Gregory for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So Dustin asked, he's like, Hey, Guida, you want to, uh, cause he knows how big I am in the wrestling. He knows I like working out, you know, with, you know, with these D one guys, he's like, Hey, you're going to be in town. Uh, or he's like, you want how about this? You want to do be an honorary captain for the Ohio State, uh, you know, for the for the Buckeyes. They're wrestling uh, Minnesota on a Sunday. I'm like, absolutely. He's like, the fly in, and we'll introduce you in front of the, you know, in front of the not the gymnasium, the the arena. I'm like, absolutely, man. You know, so you know, got there. They gave me the shirt, the Buckeyes shirt, and everything. And it's you know, it's a it's a big you know, it's a big uh, Big Ten rivalry right there. I mean, those mm -hmm. guys are both vying for a Big Ten title, and. um the crowd, it was supposed to be super, super packed, but a gnarly snowstorm came in that day, so people were freaked out. So there was a couple thousand people there, but either way, so they came out, you know, they introduced me, to, you know, brought up some UFC, you know, some MMA accolades, whatever, but, uh, and then I went back in the, in the corridor, kind of by the locker rooms, and I'm just pacing, I'm pumped back and forth, I'm calling my parents and just telling them, you know what I mean, how cool it was, and then uh, I'm right by the, um, you know, the Buckeyes locker room, and door opens, it's Coach Tom Ryan, he goes, hey, Guida. We go on in like 10 minutes. You want to come and give us a pep talk real quick? And I was like, yeah, let's do this. You know? <laughs> and I mean, it, it was the who's who. They were going for the national title that year. Kyle Snyder. Yeah. Kyle <laughs> Snyder. Two That's times, the first thing yeah, I was two, thinking Yeah, two-time NCAA champ, world champ, Olympic champ was on the team. Uh, Miles Martin, national champ. 
Uh, let's see. I mean, the list goes on. Logan Stever is in there. Jeff Jaggers was in there, who's a national champ, assistant coach. Um, Tervel, yeah, the Lagnoff, who was an you know, Olympian, he was in, the, you know, was in there. Um, <laughs> Colin Moore. I mean, it was, yeah, it's the who's who is you know, Luke Pletcher. So it was their, it was their stud team. So I'm just like, all right, here we go. And I just, uh, Flo was in there doing yeah. that. They were in there um, doing the rest. So they were filming the whole thing, and we got to go watch them work out earlier that day. So Flo's filming me. And, um, you know, I just, I went into, you know, you know, just speaking mode. And it was awesome because I've got, you know, been fortunate enough to be able to do some keynote speaking events and stuff like that. But it was just so cool to see these young men just kind of waiting on every word that I told them. I, I call it like the wrestling is life, uh, you know, speech that I give. And I told them MMA is tough, but, you know, there's nothing like a wrestler. You know, I, I would trade. I told them people ask me fans. Friends, people from all over the world. Wait, how many how many times state champ were you? This and that. And I just kind of shake my head and laugh. I'm like, man, I never made it down state. And they're just blown away. They're like, wait, I see you rusting. You take everyone down in the, in the octagon and this and that. You bait them up. I'm like, yeah, well, it took me a while to expect to win. And I didn't expect to win when I was a kid. I didn't start expecting to win until I got into late into college and turned in, you know, into mixed martial arts career. And I think I know that has definitely been, you know, the uh, the the game changer that just having that championship mindset. I don't care who if he, dude's got the bigger bigger muscles than me because most of them all do in the you know in the in the cage and most all the guys are better strikers, better wrestlers than me. But I know I've already thought I've won the fight. I already know I already locked it up. All I got to do out there is go out there and continue to have fun, you know. And it was cool seeing Kyle Snyder. He was cool. He was sitting Indian style with his back up against a pillar, and he was just his eyes were just lit up. He just had this grin on his face, man. He was starting just get pumped up and. Um, you know, just, just seeing these dudes really wait on every word and coach Tom Ryan was, he was, they were just, just jacked. And I, I told them, man, like I would trade everything in all the success, all the money, all the, except the relationships. I would trade it all in for a state championship in wrestling. Not just, not the people that I met. Cause that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can teach a monkey to go make money. I could go make that money back. You know what I mean? But like I said, you know, being a wrestler, you know, I hold it so, you know, so close to my yeah. heart. But uh, like you said, it wasn't meant to happen. And maybe this is, you know, this is meant to happen. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, like following you on social media for all this time. And you, you use the hashtag wrestling is life. And you I sometimes see you wearing a shirt that says, you know, wrestling saved my life or something to that effect. And and that's in my like the way I choose a fighter. If I don't know the two fighters. Like I always go for the wrestler. Like that's, it's close to my heart too. Right. Absolutely. So, but I think that it's interesting that you didn't have the success in wrestling that a lot of people think that you would, or, or that you even expected for yourself or hoped for yourself that you didn't have that success, but, and, and you have had that success that you were always hoping for, or, or anyone would hope for in, in MMA. But you say wrestling is life, not MMA is life, and that's your message, and that's who you're talking to. Why do you why do you think that that is so important to you? The wrestling simple, great question. Wrestling was the foundation. Wrestling is the foundation. It's been my platform since day one. We wouldn't be doing this uh, this interview for a couple of reasons. I, mean, I wouldn't wouldn't have made it to the UF, you know, MMA into the UFC without wrestling. Um, if I was a striker, you wouldn't have chose me because I wasn't a wrestler for this, you know, to, to, go, to go fishing or do this no, podcast. maybe if you were a good fisherman. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, I mean, same thing, you know, without my brother teaching me how to wrestle, who knows if I would have gotten into it in a later sport. Um, but I, yeah, I can you bet your bottom dollar. I never would have gotten into mixed martial arts 
if it wasn't for wrestling. And I, that kind of started by accident too. I told, you know, I told you a little bit about the story yesterday, how I got into it, but that whole thing of me going to fish on a boat in Alaska was so that I could pay for college um, because I wasn't, um, wasn't good enough. I wasn't getting recruited uh, for athletics. I wasn't getting recruited recruited for academics. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to figure out, figure out a way to pay for it. I need to make some big money fast. So I'm going to try, I'm going to go out to Alaska or work for one of these fishing companies. So um, I applied um, just like the old, the old days, man. I just wrote it, wrote a bunch of letters to Mm -hmm. these companies and uh, never got any replies back. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to pick up my truck and I'm going to drive. I was living in Colorado with my buddy, Jared at the time. And I drove with no driver's license and uh, I had a little, um, a 1991 Chevy Durango, a tiny little pickup truck with it. I put a, I installed a cap on it and I shoved a little six foot mattress in there, man. And I put, I hung drapes or curtains on there and I literally lived out of my truck for like months at a time. Yeah. And I loved it. It was the best. It, you know, you get to in Alaska. Um, no, just like uh, throughout okay. the country. And, yeah. and then while, while I was trying to get them, um, employed in Alaska. So then I drove out to Seattle cause that's where a lot of the fishing companies are right. based out of. So I finally get there after weeks, man. And um, first one I pull up to, I park as close to the uh, the Space Needle that everyone sees on TV. I park as close to that as I can. There's like a you know a couple of parking lots down the street and whatever. And I pull up my list of names. Here we go. Well, let's see where where am I? This is back when you had to have you know paper maps. And, yeah, a phone book. Exactly. <laughs> I'm driving around. I, this, I don't know if you ever driven in Seattle. It is a super confusing place, and I got no driver's license for yeah something dumb, you know, a long time ago. And uh, so I'm like driving on highway, opening this map. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, dude. I'm going to the Space Needle. So I ended up near there. And uh, yeah, so I pulled up my list. The first one on the list happened to be the fishing company of Alaska. I look at the address. I looked at where I was at. I was like, that's two blocks away. Walked up there, went to like the 25th floor fishing company of Alaska. And uh, this guy named Brian something was the, the recruiter. And he's like, sit down, young man. I go into his office. He's like, so what are you doing? What do you want to do? I'm like, I want to get on a fishing boat and go make some money. I'm trying to go wrestle in college. He's like, yeah, sure. He's like, all right. I'm like, I'm like I sent you guys like um, applications or I filled applications weeks ago. Never got a reply. You know what, what to deal with that? He's like, man, I tell you what. He's like, we get them all the time. He's like, we want people here physically like you did because it shows, you know, that you got you know enough balls to come up and, you know, you know, put the time to come out here. And he's like, we want to make sure you got all your limbs attached to, you know what I mean? He's like, cause you're, you know, if you get a job, you're going to be jumping around a fish factory and you're going to need all, you know, your hands and toes and everything. I'm like, all right, cool. And he's like, uh, so when do you want to start? I'm like, yesterday I'm like, immediately. Cause I had just got my tax return. I think I had like 1200 bucks to my name. So <laughs> he's like, well, how long you plan on being here? I'm like, I plan on getting on a fishing boat soon. So if you, you know, and uh, he's like, well, right now we're about two weeks out until the next ship comes in after they finish, you know, uh, they're, you know, when they do their offload and they get, you know, recruit, recruit new guys. I'm like, man, I don't know if I, you know, I guess I could live in my truck until then. But he's like, you know what? I got this phone call. I'll be back in five minutes. So I'm just kind of sitting there just a little bummed out. I'm like, man, I'm going to be stuck here, you know. And he comes back in. He's like, I tell you what. Two guys, if we just got the, um, I'm sorry, the uh, the most highest profitable, you know, boat in the fleet, the Alaska Jurist just had two guys. We just got a call from him. Two guys want to come home. One misses his girlfriend and one got hurt. One got sick or whatever. I'm like, all right. He's like, tell you what, go down to this clinic right here. You pass a drug test. You come back. We'll get you on a flight tomorrow. I was like, sweet, dude. Went down there. Never yet. Yeah, that was the first, you know, your analysis ever took. They gave like immediate results, came back and. They booked me a flight like right there and I started nice. just packing up and getting ready uh, 
take off, man. So what kind of fish was it that you were so we fishing were, for? We were on a big 210-foot trawler. So it's it was like, this was even before the deadliest catch show. Right. I think the deadliest right. catch started like a year later or something like that. So we were, we drug a, a trawler. Yeah, it's a huge net. About, it's like 300 foot by 300 foot. Yeah. And uh, it's got these big ball, like rollers. And they, they why the um, the Bering Sea is so plentiful? Because it's sh- pretty shallow, you know what I mean, compared to some of these, you know, giant seas. And, um so those those things they just turned up all you know everything in the water and uh, they collect them in the net. So we would get giant halibut, we would get salmon, we get four foot round king crab like I never seen before. Um, eel, I got almost attacked by like this wolf faced <laughs> eel on this uh, on the conveyor belt, dude. Um, uh, giant Alaskan cod. So you, you basically catch everything and then you're in there in a fish factory start with shorting. with conveyor and you start sorting until your hands hurt in there to like. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. They don't really tell you that in the uh, that's hard work in the application. They say it's they say it's grueling hard hours. They don't tell you exactly what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I did that for for two months, and yep, yeah, it was just um, one of those things that built me for the cage. I tell everyone, man, they hear like you were alive, Joe Rogan. He's like, wait, you did that Alaskan fishing shit? I'm like, yeah. He's like, how was it? I said. Made like fight. It made the uh, fighting in the octagon seem like the day at the kiddie pool. Man, he's like, you were out of your mind. <laughs> well, maybe, but I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I've been telling my kids this. I mean, my son's twenty three, my other son's twenty one, and they're asking me all this stuff about like, what? How do you know what you want to do? How do you how do you decide what you want to do? How do you know what you're supposed to do? And I'm like, well, man, I don't know. I think that if you don't know what you want to do. You need to go do more things. You need more real world experience. And some of that experience is, well, I definitely don't want to do that. I know that that is not the way that I want to make a living. Like being working that fishing job was probably really cool. And you probably wouldn't take it back. Exactly. It was a cool but experience. Damn, do you want to do it for another seven years? Do you want to do it for another 30 years? Like, no, there's a, there's an easier way to make whatever money you were making. There's an easier way to do it than that. Absolutely. Some and, of these guys that were doing it forever. I mean, it was full grown, man. I was two of the other youngest 21 year olds on there. We were just babies, man. I had no facial hair yet. I mean, and these dudes, full grown beards, long hair, just mean, only smoking cigarettes all day. And, and then you get to some, you know, some of that work, the, the, you know, the nicer, the cool guys and stuff like that too. But I'm like, you get to know them. I'm like, oh, you got family. I'm thinking none of them have kids. They're like, no, I got my, my family's back in Seattle. They're in Texas. They're all, I'm like, what? And you're gone for more than half of the year. Yeah. And then they go home for like a week, then they're back out or they're home for a month. And it's just. It's a tough way to make a living, but it's hard sure. work, man. And then when you have that work ethic. For, to be able to do that, you can do anything. I mean, I believe that. Like, yeah. I mean, my job wasn't sorting wolf face eels, but it was uh, my first job was cleaning toilets in Yellowstone. And, you know, it's it's not hard work. It's not not rewarding work and it's not, you know, sexy by not any glorious. stretch of the imagination. But, man, I still think it was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had because it came with a lot of freedom, you know. But look at where you were at. Uh, well, yeah. you know, that that. uh the, the the wrestling is a big part of that too though the the work ethic that you that you get from wrestling two a day practices and and uh, I mean we used to have morning practice you know and it's like you get up here go tarpon fishing at five o'clock in the morning day after day after day after day after day man how do you do that it's like because I've already done it like and it wasn't tarpon fishing. It was running stairs and it was, it was this not is the stuff not I want to get up to yeah, do at five in the morning. That's what I tell my buddies, man. And then I tell people all the time, I'm like, man, you're up early, ready to go fishing. I'm like, 
Yeah, dude, because, you know, up early, go, yeah, you know, practicing, do it, or going to a job that I didn't want to do when I was younger, dude. I didn't right. want, back when I got the nickname The Carpenter, I was up in the, you know, the freezing cold winters in the Midwest, like you hear about, man, when it's, you know, five or 10 degrees below, your car might not start, the generator might not start, the com air compressor might not start, but guess what? That roof still got to get built. Those walls still got to get built, man, you know, and then I get a drive an hour for me because I live up in the middle of nowhere. I got to drive an hour and a half to a suburb or go to this new subdivision and sit in traffic. I'll be dozing off behind the wheel and go do a job I didn't want to do. Not that I didn't like building houses, but I knew there was more to what I was put on this earth to do. I knew fish that I'm sorry. I knew it had to do something with wrestling. It had to do something, you know what I mean? That, uh, with, with competition. Mm -hmm. I always knew I was, you know, I was going to compete in something, man. So do you think that, at, you know, as you age and as you kind of move on from, from fight, I mean, it's going to happen eventually. Um, maybe it's yep. this four fight contract. Maybe it's two more after that, who knows, whatever it is. And it's a, you, you go out on your own terms. Do you think that you can, um, do you think that you can find a place that you're at peace with where you're either helping other people compete or you, there's no competition left for you? Or are you like me where there's no competition? So you do something that doesn't hit you in the face, like CrossFit or something, you know, something that doesn't hit back. <laughs> Absolutely. Great questions. And um, yeah, I definitely, I don't want to compete forever. You know what I mean? I don't want to fight forever because obviously everyone knows uh, you know, the human's not meant to go through that. You know, look at some of the guys, you know, look at Randy Couture. That guy didn't start, competing in MMA till he was 35 or 36. Right. And he wasn't sitting on the couch eating potato chips. That guy was competing yeah. I mean, he's an Roman Olympic, around Olympic the world. Exactly. Greco Roman wrestler, yep. you know, and he fought, I think I was at his last fight uh, when he fought Machida, you know, and got his teeth kicked knocked out, but it wasn't because he was out of shape. It was just because sometimes the sport starts, you know, starts to take over, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be hard, you know, hard to say goodbye. I can't put a number on it because I, a lot of times people are like, how many more you got Guida? You know what I mean? I'm just like, dude, well, that's not what I'm asking, though. It's just like once oh, yeah. once you ever come to terms with however you're going to say goodbye, yeah. do you think that that you always have to have competition in your life or do you or, or do you, are you OK with like that was my competitive yep. period of my life and now I'm going to go fishing? For sure. No, I mean, and maybe I get to learn from a former uh, redfish competitor, teach me <laughs> how to, you know, do some tournament fishing. Um that's always, I, I definitely want to learn to, you know, do some tournament fishing, um, coaching the club, being able, being around the greatest sport that saved my life of wrestling, being, a, being able to help coach these kids in youth programs and coaching high school, like get it back in Illinois. Um, hopefully we might start a club down in South Florida someday, maybe coach at a high school part-time, you know? Um, but then doing the, you know, I love to grapple. Mm -hmm. I got to, uh, my friend. <laughs> kind of funny the first first time i ever uh, did a, a jiu-jitsu tournament was on short notice the ufc called me for this quintet ultra and uh it was after i was at a reggae festival in cancun for like slightly stupid and stick figure and uh pepper all our favorite bands they called me they're like hey you want to compete this weekend uh it's team ufc versus team pride versus team wc versus team strike force i'm like all right cool who's team i am they're like uh anthony rumble smith or, i'm sorry anthony rumble johnson anthony smith uh gilbert burns and little sean sugar uh a little badass dude, dude. and uh we were <laughs> we went against um who was it first uh team strike or team pride so we went against uh um sakuraba was the captain because it's his organization 
Um, but I first time I ever grappled, I went against a three time world champ, Gregor Gracie. Oh, man. <laughs> I never even competed in jujitsu before. Oh, no. I rolled it a thousand times in practice, but yeah, so I went against him and uh, took him down, obviously. Then he was snapped my arm off, but it was a really, really cool event. Everybody was there. Mark the Hammer Coleman came to watch. Fabrizio Verdun was right there. Um, you know, obviously Dana White was there. So it was a, it was the weekend of uh, of the, the pay per view. Was the next night. Uriah Faber was there. Chad Mendes was uh, Team WEC. Mark Munoz, Jake Shields. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then I, the next match, I went against. <laughs> remember Babalu Sobral? Oh yeah, yeah I had to go against him in the next match. Dude, his <laughs> so fights I, with Chuck Liddell. Oh, exactly. Awesome. I'm like, you want you guys want me to do? Wrestle with this dude? Bobaloo. Yeah, Bobaloo. Like yeah. I mean, he's a little bigger than you, too. A L- little bit. <laughs> How'd you do? We went to a draw. So I you did? Lose. Yeah. Dang, dude. I, just, I took him down and just bear hugged him. He swept me. I held on to him more. And yeah, they called it a draw. So, and then we ended up Team UFC. We won the we won the gold uh, gold medal. It was plastic gold. But yeah, we won the we won the competition, too. So I could definitely see myself... Um, yeah, doing some grappling tournament stuff like yeah. that because that's just to me it's a natural a natural progression of wrestling. You know, jujitsu yeah. is the next next best thing. Do you think that? Um, I mean, I don't I don't know this, and this may be a really stupid question, but I see a bunch of old people rolling jujitsu, like fifty year olds, sixty year olds, and they're rolling jujitsu, and then. I go into the high school wrestling practice and I wrestle with my boys in there and they're, you know, it's a room full of freaking killers, people that are trying to be state champions and stuff. And I come out of there and I'm like, Oh Jesus, I'm, I'm getting old. Like, damn. And we always had code words. Like when I was with my kids, I'm like, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> and when I say that, that's stop. Like there's no ego here. Like uh-uh. if you want me to wrestle with you and I say, stop, you got to stop. Don't ask any questions uh-uh. like that really hurts. Yeah. Like, yeah, it really hurts, and don't do it anymore. Um, and they were good about it. My boys, we loved wrestling each other, yeah, like on mats and in the they, room and stuff cool. like that. They wanted to come around more. Yeah, and and that's that was great. But I see, I see, like old people, like older than me, doing jujitsu, and I, I've got to think that maybe, maybe they're doing it on their own terms or something. But it's certainly not like going into the high school wrestling room and and going again. I mean, it, right. I don't know. I don't roll jujitsu. I don't. I, I just haven't gotten into that yet. Is it a little bit? I mean, I know you can get your arm broken, but is it a little bit less impact than than wrestling with an eighteen year old? It's a, a good question. Just trying to I, kill you, yeah. Because I've been to um, now, how about this for example? Um, your eye favors Ultimate Fitness. You know, Team Alpha Male, where I train at. It's not only is it a fight gym, but I call it the the MMA mecca, and it's also, you know. <laughs> it's hard to pay the bills by chasing out a bunch of fighters for 50 or a hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got like thousands of members from the community, from the town too. So there's kids, jujitsu kids, wrestling uh, practices. There's, you know, ca- uh, cardio kickboxing. There's yoga. It's like, it literally is like a one-stop shop for, you know, MMA and just uh, regular fi- uh, fitness, you know, it's a fitness mm-hmm. center. So um, Chris Holdsworth, one of my, uh, one of my coaches, he was 10 and 0 undefeated in the ultimate fighter, just a savage, you know, he had some injuries. So he had to kind of maybe put the gloves away for a little bit, but um, he runs two um, jujitsu classes Monday and Thursday. And it's not just for MMA. It is for, I mean, there's, we've had days where there's 50 and 60 members. Yeah, I mean, there, nice. it's, it's awesome. The mats, <laughs> there's not, you know, there's no room on the mats. So you're always going to get the hardcore jujitsu fighter or or mma guy slash fighter and they're usually the ones that are cool and they don't you know that they're they go they're easy going then a lot of times you'll get the the tough guy 
dad who's been doing jiu-jitsu and he's competed a little bit, he goes a little bit harder on the MMA guy or he'll mm-hmm. go harder on the new guy that's just signing up for jiu-jitsu or maybe he came from another gym or something like that and he's got a little jiu-jitsu background and then they kind of go a little bit. I think maybe it's a, a measuring contest or something like yeah. that or just an ego contest. Um, but for the most part, then you get the people that are just all, everyone's super helpful. The coaches are walking around. I'm helping out. You know I mean? The, the, the fighters are helping out the, you know, the girls and the boys and the, you know, the, um, the adults that are just getting into it and they got a question, you know what I mean? So mo- for most of the part, everyone's super cordial and welcoming, but it's just like anything. A lot of times you get the, the guys that got a little bit of an ego and they'll, they'll go a little bit harder and it's like, you know, and I've, uh, you know, I've had my heart not snapped, obviously, but where it's like, oh, yep, okay, that's good. And then you're like, yeah. oh, dude, why did you do that? Or they go for like a leg lock or something. And I'm always early to. I don't I don't understand the, the not tapping in practice. Like, I get it. You're so fighting silly. for a title or something like, oh, I'm not going to tap. Right. Okay, cool. Well, you're a super high level competitor. But in practice, like, that's like, I'm not going to get pinned in a wrestling practice. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I think it's time to do another. Okay, you got me. Like, let's go again. Yep. You know, like, why? I don't understand that. That that why people would nobody's ever going to tap me yeah. well then you're not so, with the right people probably because if you're with the right people they're definitely going to tap they're you gonna get you. <laughs> definitely gonna get you. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's a it's just a cool world man yeah. I, I, I like it and well, yeah. and it's uh it's it, it 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 definitely like transfers over to to life just the wrestling the wrestling mentality the jujitsu too um it's 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 cool um but I find it really cool how you embrace wrestling as, as you know, like, it's like, it's like you, it's almost like you owe it to wrestling is, is the way it appears, uh, is that you owe something to wrestling and you're, you're, I mean, you were just at the Olympic trials. You're like, and, and even we were, when we were talking, you were saying like, oh, well, you know, it, it's good for the sport, you know, and, and you always seem to be looking out for the sport of wrestling and it's just really cool. You're, you're an ambassador. Thank you, man. Yeah. It's done so much for me. I owe everything to the sport of the wrestling. It doesn't owe me anything, man. <laughs> it's, uh, like I said, I'm blessed that my brother got, got us into it. Cause my old man, he was just a kid from Chicago, just a wild man. Never. Um, he, I think he was the only one out of nine brothers and sisters that didn't play organized sports. Just Cause everyone says your, your dad, Chucky, he was just a little, little too crazy you know what i mean like he's just that maybe he might not what he wanted him on the team yeah, probably, probably, but he always tells us stories because he would always be playing pickup sports you know baseball you know living back they play ball in the alleys you know but he always played football and stuff like that with his buddies pickup games but just never organized sports and uh so i'm really blessed that my brother jason you know got me into the sports that he did at a young age you know and uh Look where it got us now. You yeah. Know, now. Well, I mean, he had a great career too. You were telling me about, about all the people and I had not followed him. Um, I, I, I was unaware that he had had such a great career, but yep. uh, man fought everybody. He, yeah. He beat Marvin Eastman for a belt. Um, he fought. My brother was one of those dudes. <laughs> He's an animal. He, you know, he would take a fight on a couple of weeks notice, you know, for you know, 50, he was said in the interview, he's like, I'll fight Chuck Liddell for 50 bucks in a case of old style. <laughs> a case of Keystone Light. I'm like, oh my God, he's crazy. But yeah, he's fought so many dudes. Like I said, Jeff Munson, he wrestled Brock Lesnar in college. Um, he fought Jeremy Horn, Vernon White, Bobby Lashley, who's now the WWF champ, heavyweight champion. So you go down the list, man, my brother's fought him and he's, he's giving them all a run, dude. All those dudes knew they got out. If they got, if they beat him, they got out by like the skin of their teeth, you mm-hmm. know? 
Um, so yeah, he's taught me a lot and, uh, just want him to come down here and do some more fishing, man, because yeah. he's got to get on a big tarp and he had one real, he had one next to the boat, which some people call it a catch, but didn't, we didn't get to get a photo with it. Um, uh, <laughs> and I think I was, I think I was FaceTiming his wife at the time. So no one had their phones out. We were both Johnson and the leader broke in Bo's hand and my brother about lost it. It was just one of those. <laughs> my brother's like, dude, tell me, tell me you got a picture. I was like, well, the funny thing is I was on the what on the phone with your wife, Bethany. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, what? I was FaceTiming her, dude. You can't take a picture. He's like, Oh, I was like, sorry, bro. And it was well, a giant. It was like a hundred. It, it'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. Well, listen, man, it's been awesome having you down. I know it's not going to be the last time we'll do it some more. Um, it's it's cool, man, just to just to meet up with somebody that you've been watching for a long time and, and uh, make it happen. So awesome. Good luck in all the, the next, next few fights. I think there's going to be one announced in July. That's cool. And um, and then a couple more after that. You got it, Captain. I appreciate it. It's been an honor. This is, I, like I said, I knew it was going to be even more fun <laughs> than uh, than I expected. It always is. Anytime I can be around the water, be around like-minded people, especially wrestlers, especially great family men. And um, man, it's uh, you guys are stuck with me now. So <laughs> I hope you don't get too annoyed. I'm cool. like, hey, I'm, I'm, cruising, by the, I'm cruising by the keys. <laughs> well, it's weird. You don't live by the keys. Well, yeah, no, I'm down the road anyway. Yeah. So, uh, well, as long as you know how to wash a boat and and spool it, up a reel, absolutely, you're, you're you're good to go. We need to touch you out. Throw got, the cast net. I got a lot to learn. Exactly. Throw the cast net, yep. and then you'll be Rich's best friend. Oh, perfect. Hey, <laughs> we got to put these things to use, man. I know. So. Yeah, you ought to be able to throw the cast net good. Yeah, All right, man. Well, thanks, Clay. Appreciate right. it. Oh, man, thank you. You guys check it out at home. Uh, check out Saltwater Experience, Hawks K Resort, uh, both Discovery Channel, Waypoint TV. And then you guys can check us out, too, at uh, my personal page, um, Clay Guida. Yeah, I'm sorry, Clay Guida. Yeah, on Instagram and then Gills and Thrills of Guida. And then obviously on Facebook and all that good stuff too, guys. So thank you very much. Yeah, and if you if you um, need need some employment, maybe you can be my manager. You're pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I got a guy for you. Uh, all right. All right, man. That's it. We'll see you.